to the FFG Financial Insights Podcast. My name is Brian Ullman. I'm a certified financial planner here at Ford Financial Group. And I'm joined today by Nick Redmond, who's also a certified financial planner here at FFG. Nick, welcome. Hi, Brian. Thanks. Happy to be here today. I'm, I'm glad you can join us uh, to talk about 529 plans today. We, um, in our last uh, newsletter to clients, which came out in May, we covered uh, 529 plans and saving for college, and this is something you're familiar with, right? Yeah, that's right. We have accounts for our kids, as we were talking earlier, and you said you have them for yours as well. Yeah, well, when you have young ones, it's never too early to start thinking about college. I know that um, we have sometimes this family, <laughs> this new family starter, financial starter kit that sometimes includes you know, saving for retirement, saving for college, and then life insurance as well. So um, saving for college is an important part of that. And, and one of the things that we've discussed in the past is the, is the pace of growth of college tuition. Um, it has absolutely outstripped the rate of growth of inflation by a long shot. Uh, in fact, is, and you can read in our newsletter that in 1985, uh, the annual tuition and fees and room and board rate for a full-time undergraduate at a public university was just short of $4,000. Flash forward 30 years later, and it's now just short of $20,000, so an enormous amount of growth. Um, and it's hard to keep up with that kind of inflation when you're just shoveling money into a savings account, right? Um, so one vehicle or one, one avenue of saving and trying to keep up with that pace of growth is by using a 529 plan. Um, would you say that you use this with your clients most often? Yeah, this is definitely the, the most popular, the most most used savings plan for kids in college and other post high school post high school education expenses as well yeah and like I said not only is it easy enough to explain and for our clients to use but easy enough for us to use as well right yeah and and there are some benefit there are some other options out there we're going to cover only the 529 plan today because I think in our opinion it's well it's the most popular without a doubt and I think it's one of the best. And uh, we can kind of roll through some of the benefits. And also some of the – it's not all benefits. There are some drawbacks as well. But I think one of the best benefits to the 529 plan is that it pays for qualified educational expenses. So not just tuition, but just but also tuition, books, and other kind of related expenses, right? Like, right, right. Not to mention room and board, you know, all your living – not all your living expenses, but certainly some educational-related expenses yeah computers sometimes or whatever i think a lot of it's driven by what the um what the financial aid office at the university deems as being necessary but it's gonna be books and lab fees and things like that um and it's it's not even though it's for um universe it's generally for universities but it can also be for vocational and technical schools uh, and can even be used to pay for uh, public and private schools and even foreign institutions. Like, for example, I think I told you before we started recording that we even had a client where we're paying their tuition at a university in Tel Aviv. So um, the kicker here is it doesn't pay for high school. So if you're going to private elementary, secondary high school, um, it's not going to pay for that, but it does pay for uh, higher education, really. Um, there are some tax advantages that can exist for 529s as well. Would, do you want to kind of maybe cover that a little bit? Yeah, so the, the one of the main benefits uh, that we found is that, yeah, the tax benefits. So you put in a certain amount, and that grows tax-free, essentially, if as long as, like you mentioned earlier, using it for a qualified 
educational expense uh, in the future. That, that money can come out of their account uh, without any taxes being applied. Uh, just the, the one thing that you have to do is to make sure that you, you keep receipts for anything that, uh, that you take it out for that doesn't go directly to the institution. It almost acts like a little bit like a Roth IRA, right? You take after-tax money, you stick it in an account and invest it, it grows over time, and you don't have to pay taxes on the growth. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, there's, there's a secondary tax kicker in here in that some states allow you to uh, write off or have some sort of partial deduction or credit for a 529 contribution. Um, that's not the case in California where we are right now. Right. Um, but we have clients all over the country, and so in some cases, it really does matter. For the most recent one that we did for somebody, or that I did for somebody, um, they're in Arizona, and they did get some tax benefits to doing that. And so right. not only were we making contributions, we were timing them in a way kind of that matched up with their taxes as well. So, um, so there are some tax advantages there. Um, the other one is that you can maintain control of the money if there's a 529 plan. Yeah, that's something that clients really like. Uh, right, so they they open the account. They're still the owner. They still have control of where the investments are placed, and they get to name the beneficiary. They also get to name the successor owner should anything happen uh, to the original owner, and that's certainly something that's appealing to, like I said, most most clients for right. sure. Cause, well, think because think about the alternative, right? You put you open a savings account in the child's name or something like that. You fill it full of money. They're 18 years old. They may decide they want a new car with it and not to pay for a tuition with it. And if it's in their name or if it's something like a UGMA or UTMA, which is just an acronym for an account that becomes theirs when they reach the age of majority, you lose control. And that matters when you really want this steered towards college expenses, frankly. Um, there, there's also uh, another thing that we cite in our newsletter is that there's a set it and forget it kind of future, feature where you can make automated payments and, and automated investments that you don't need to worry about. Well, you have us to help manage it, of course, but um, you can make monthly contributions that are as little as $50 a month and not have to write a check or do any of those kinds of things. And I know that's a really kind of that automatic savings where you just kind of set it up and forget about it is a nice, is a nice feature to have. Um, I think just as importantly, though, is that anyone can open a 529 plan. Um, the contributions to it aren't just limited by your income. I don't know. Do you have any clients where more than one person is contributing to a 529? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty easy for a grandparent to write a check to the investment company and get it deposited in there again they and they have the knowledge that that money is now controlled again by the parent or by the guardian and not in the control of the children either now or in the future it always stays under control of the of the person that they're trusting uh, with that money. Right. And what's nice, I know I've referenced this once already. Some people, uh, or there's been some discussion on the internet, I suppose, or among advisors about whether or not to use a Roth IRA as a form of, of contributing to college. There's a few reasons why I don't like that. But one of them is that um, you can have, let's just say you have a 529, you're the owner of, and your daughter, it's for your daughter. Grandma and grandpa can write a check to that account and deposit it in there. It doesn't need to be in their name to make a contribution. I know in our family what we've done is, Lord knows we have enough stuffed animals or toys coming out of our ears. 
So what we often tell family members or ask family members, we say, you know, we really appreciate that you want to give something to the kids and, and maybe something small. I mean, they're happy with Happy Meal toys for Christ's sake, but you know, something small, but then if you'd like to contribute to their 529 plan, that would be great too. And everybody is thrilled to do that. So um, having more than one person contributing to the same account for for college for these kids is a really, really nice feature. And then there's no income limits either. You can earn $50,000 a year, you can earn $50 million a year, and you can still make a contribution to the account. Right. Which kind of leads us to that there's, there's actually no specified maximum uh, annual contribution. There's no age limits on contributions. Um, and the total contributions can get well up into the triple digits. Um, so I, I won't belabor this part because we don't usually run into this problem very often, but um, there is a maximum, ultimate maximum on a 529 plan. But if you're hitting that, um, it's a good problem to have and it's something we could talk about. But, um, and then the last one is that, that the 529 helps maximize your ability to pay for college without jeopardizing your financial aid. It doesn't mess up your FAFSA form. Um, right, right. Because, even, yeah, sorry, even though that, uh, it is owned by the parent, the the FAFSA form and not going to look at that and, and count that kind of against you as an asset to towards college. Exactly right. Exactly right. So it's important because 529, I think there's some uh, misunderstanding on sometimes with a 529 where people look and they say, well, college is going to be expensive and I can't afford to put that, you know, $1,000 a month into my kid's college savings plan because I can't save for retirement or can't pay for the growth, whatever it is. Um, but a 529 is one of the several components that pay for college, right? Yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll have the, again, the fi- like you said, the 529 plan taking withdrawals from there. There'll be scholarships. There'll be grant money available uh, for, the, for the student. And then, you know, as you mentioned, a, a part of a new family, a startup kit, I guess, saving for retirement, saving for college, and then the life insurance. And the, you know, the idea being that as you go through your career or as the parent goes through their career, 15, 20 years from now, they'll be making more money as well so they can contribute a little bit more from their current paycheck to help pay for college as well. Certainly, that's, that's a certainly great point. something. That's a great point. And unfortunately, student loans are often a part of this, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's the reality. And I've got a really wild idea. Kids can also work while they're going to college. That's true. That's, that's, true. that's something that's often lost on, on a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's great to be in college and really focus on your education, but part of that is being a well-rounded person and, and having the time management skills to go out and, and get a part-time job where you're working 10 to 15 hours for some extra spending money just to lighten the load on, yeah. on whoever's paying. I couldn't agree more. And I think I've seen, I can't cite this study, but... I've, I've seen it out there is that um, actually kids who are working during college actually have better grades because they're forced yeah. into kind of right. juggling and being uh, more efficient with their time and not being able to put things off. And, but um, anyway, so so the the 529s are an excellent investment and college savings vehicle. There's no doubt. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But they're not perfect. Um, and I think we kind of talked about it that it's a, the 529 is part of a more collective strategy for paying for college. That the 529s don't guarantee you're going to cover the full cost of a four-year education. Um, 
just by putting money in doesn't mean you're all set and you don't need to worry about anything else. Right. A lot of the 529s that, that we use and we recommend are invested in the stock and bond market, and that certainly comes with risk of loss and loss of principal. Uh, and, and certainly could be no gains in 5, 10, 20 years, whatever you want to look at your time frame. But we still think that, again, the uh, stock and bond investment market, really the best way to, to try to keep up with that college inflation, which, as you mentioned, is is certainly outpacing just about everything else well, in and, society. And, and one way to help with that is by starting earlier, mm-hmm. right? If you are starting and your child is 10 years old, you've got eight years to save for college. If you're starting when they are five years old, now you've got 13 years to save. If they're starting when you're, they're born, you've got you know, almost twice as long to be able to put money in, which means you, need to put, you don't have to put as much in every month or the checks don't have to be quite as big because over time it's growing and compounding and so on. Um, another drawback sometimes for 529s is the investment options can be limited. Um, you, you know, usually you're committed to a certain handful of funds that you're investing in. So it's important to kind of choose one of these providers that offers quality funds, low-cost funds, but but you are kind of um, hemmed in a little bit on, on, on one particular fund. Nick, do you find that you're using, you use the age-based funds in the 529 portfolios that you use? Right, right. You mentioned earlier that, again, one of the advantages is the the set it and forget it um, along the lines of contributions. But the same can be said with the investments. So with the age-based college savings plan, it's more aggressive when the child is younger, the idea being that they're able to, or the account is able to absorb some of the ups and downs and volatility in the stock market. And as the uh, child, as the beneficiary gets closer to college age, it becomes more conservative to try to protect that nest egg. Uh, so that's definitely an advantage of uh, of the age-based plan. Again, if you don't like the age-based plan, there are going to be other options available in there. Just, uh, again, like you said, it might be hamstrung by the investment options available at the institution, but generally most of those are going to have a wide variety. I, I like to think of a 17-year-old that's studying for his or her SATs getting ready to go off to college is being in a uh, position that's similar to somebody who's 65 and getting ready to retire. Right. You, you're about to need the money. Right. And so you need the, what you're invested in for them when they are f- four or five or six needs to be way different than what they need to be invested in at 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. You're running out of time to grow. This is more of a savings vehicle at that point. And so you're right. Having the kinds of investments that can make that adjustment is an important thing. Um, the, the question I'll, we'll kind of, I think, wind up with this on maybe one of the drawbacks is the question that I get most often, and you can probably already read my mind on this, is what if my kid doesn't go to college? Right. That's the thing. I'm saving for college. If this doesn't get used for qualified educational expenses, what happens? And um, there, are f- there are a few options here. The easiest one is that you can change the name of the beneficiary to another qualifying family member. I'll use myself as an example. Let's say my son decides not to go to college. It'll be a whole other issue between he and I. But let's say he doesn't go. He's uh, he's a world-famous baseball player. He's not going to college. Um, We can change his 529 to my daughter's name and now have two for her for when she goes to college. 
Um, that is a huge deal. Um, I've even seen parents have a 529 in their name. We actually had somebody who worked here for a while before he had a baby, opened a 529 in his name, and then when they had their daughter, switched it over so he could begin saving even earlier. So that's something can, that can go on. Um, you can use the money for graduate school, mm-hmm. right, if you don't need it for undergrad. Um, you can consider keeping an account active for a grandchild, uh, or um, you could even name yourself as a beneficiary if you intend to go back to school and take classes. Um, and then there's the last option, which would be just that you withdraw um, the money and right. pay the taxes and the penalty. Right, right? right. So it doesn't all go away. It's just you're penalized a bit for not using it for the right thing. Um, are we missing anything here, Nick? Is there any other uh, 529 no, nitty-gritty that we've got to cover? No, I think that's a good, a good general overview that will get – that will spark enough interest in people listening to this podcast that if they have more questions, they certainly contact us and we can go into further detail and explain the whole process uh, to them as well. Yeah, I think, I think when you get down to it, the key here is to get started and to get started as early as possible. Right, right. Um, Take advantage of the compounding interest over many years that will certainly add to the bottom line of your... Kind of the right. Um, I, you know, I just we were talking about college costs when we began. Um, I went. So my son Henry is five years old, and I just went through a couple of um, college savings projections to see what college costs are for different schools. So we're in Fresno, so I looked at our local state school, Fresno State, and in thirteen years, the projected college costs uh, at using a six percent annual inflation rate are going to be. Uh, almost $152,000 for four years as an in-state student in an in-state state school. Right. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. And that's just, that's the best news. Um, so I looked up my alma mater. I went to UC Santa Barbara, right? right? Which is a good school. Mm-hmm. Um, still a public school, um, but a little bit more expensive than the state schools. Um, and for UCSB, the projected college costs, if Henry were to go there in 13 years, is $283,000 yeah. for four years. Yeah, getting close to double the Fresno State number. So yeah, it's, it's, it is, uh, it's pretty job. unbelievable. And that's, now, now it, we will say, technology, things have gone on that disrupt, that make it so costs don't inflate. Your flat screen TV doesn't cost what it did 10 years right. ago, right? So there's some things. But I would say on the whole, in this day and age, we find the things that are unnecessary have gotten cheaper and the things that are necessary, like education and healthcare, have gotten more expensive. Absolutely. So um, 283000 is a lot. But let's say he's a left-handed pitcher or he's brilliant or whatever, and he winds up at Stanford. 13 years from now, at 6% growth, Four years at Stanford will cost you more than six hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. Wow. That's un, that's unbelievable. Right, right. If makes, that doesn't tell you, you need to start saving yeah, now. Certainly makes the case to, to absolutely start, early to start off. And, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, let's just say you have two kids going to Stanford. You're looking at one point two million dollars in for eight years of school. And chances are, if you're anything like me, there's going to be some overlap in there, right? Right, right. My kids exactly. are only two years apart, so. I don't mean to finish this podcast with some scare tactics, but um, there's some eye-popping numbers, and 
it's going to have to be dealt with one way or another if you have kids, most likely. So you've got to get the ball rolling, start saving, and uh, start working towards this goal. So anything else we need to tackle before uh, we wrap this up? No. That's good. Okay. Excellent. If you have questions uh, of this, certainly call us up, and we can run through even more details with this. Yes, please do. Our our website is www.fordfg.com. Uh, you can also email us at info at fordfg.com. Uh, and we'd be happy to answer any questions that you have about college savings. So, Nick, thanks for helping out. My pleasure anytime. Um, we will have you back on this again, I am sure. But for now, uh, I think it's time for just some disclosures. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein. Prior to investing in a 529, investors should consider whether the investor's designated beneficiary's home state offers any tax or, or other state benefits such as financial aid, scholarship funds, and protection from creditors that are only available for investments in such states' qualified tuition program. Withdrawals used for qualified expenses are federally tax-free, and tax treatment at the state level may vary. Please consult with your tax advisor before investing.